We're so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. All right. Well, I'm going to pray uh, before we have our, our, our Bible reading. Uh, that's your note to start stretching, Laurie, getting ready to come up. Um, I'm just going to pray uh, for our, our world in... in, in uh, <laughs> very big picture, isn't it? Our world. Pray for our world. Um, And I encourage you to join with me in prayer now. Mm. So Heavenly Father, we we lift up our our village, we lift up our our region, our nation, our our world to you. It's a season where we can think, where do we begin? And so I want to thank you that when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit interprets for us. And so we cry out on behalf of our, our world and our communities, O oh Lord, help us. Father, we, we thank you that um, in our nation that the, the virus seems to be under control at this point, but we long for that day where it is not dominating our lives. And so we pray for breakthrough in that space, whatever that looks like. Father, in, in the church space, we, we long for the day where we can gather without restriction and sing and praise your name without restriction. And so um, we thank you for this season when we've learnt what worship looks like in a different way, but we long to be able to shout your praises together again. And so we pray that you'd bring about breakthrough in our nation and across our planet where in many places things aren't going so well with the virus, Lord, we pray that you would, you would bring about a breakthrough and an end to the suffering, the illness and the death that this is causing, Lord. And so we invite you to come and have your way in that space. And Father, we lift up especially our community of the Yass Valley to you and we pray that you would bring about revival, that many would turn to Jesus and be saved. And it's in his name we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Laurie, you can come up now. I invite you to read from the scriptures. If you're uh, at home, I encourage you to get a Bible out. Uh, if you're here, you can get your Bible out. The, the notes are in the Bible app, if that's what you use. Uh, if you don't have a Bible on you and you're here, there are some Bibles in the foyer uh, that you can use. And we're turning to John uh, chapter 12 this morning. So thank you, Laurie. All yours. Thank you, uh, Nick. I'm afraid that my b- v- vocal cords are still warming up. I live by myself and I don't have a cat or a dog to talk to, so hopefully it'll be ca- my voice will improve. Anyway, as you've heard, the reading is from John chapter 12, to the, uh, starting at verse 12 and going through to 21. <clears throat> and I'm reading from the New King James Version. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet and cried out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it. As it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. 
Therefore the people who were with him, when he called Lazarus out of his tomb and raised him from the dead, bore witness. For this reason the people also met him, because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, You see that you were accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now there were certain Greeks among those who came out up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of the word. Amen. Thank you, Lawrence. Much appreciated. Well, so this morning we continue our series on John's Gospel, the good news of of Jesus, not the good news of John, the good news of Jesus, according to John. I'm going to pray once more as we jump in. Encourage you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Mm. Come, Holy Spirit, come now and empower my words. Otherwise, they will be empty and meaningless. Come now, Holy Spirit, in this room and in every room that we're connecting with now. And those who will connect later, we pray, Holy Spirit, come and quicken this inspired word of God, your scripture, to our hearts. May we be completely transformed in it, by it, in our thoughts, in our deeds, in our attitudes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we live in a, a celebrity culture. And what I mean by that is uh, we live in a world of click rates, of likes, of, of shares, of uh, going viral when in that period of time uh, between you know, the plagues and now where viral meant uh, something going crazy on the internet and not people getting sick. Uh, and so um, we live in a world where people are famous for being famous Uh, Everyone wants praise and glory. Uh, And and I think this has always been the human condition since the fall. We want to be liked by other people. And the more other people uh, that we're liked by and celebrated by, the better. And and I think just the the, the social media, the internet, the the global connection that we have right now, that just kind of has poured uh, rocket fuel on that fire. And so some of us don't want to be celebrities. I'm not saying everyone wants to be a celebrity, but, but we do get caught up in that idea of, well, I want people to like me. I want to be successful. Uh, I, I want to have lots of friends and I want to please people. And uh, there are some people that, again, that's completely a foreign concept to them, that, that um, they want people to like them, but that's the minority. It might manifest in different ways. We don't all want to be Kim Kardashian or, you know, random celebrity. Uh, it might manifest differently to that, but there's something within us that, that kind of gets drawn towards what we would call a celebrity culture, or we might call it people-pleasing or, 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 or wanting to be praised by others. And, and so this morning I've called this message Celebrity Jesus. Celebrity Jesus. If you're here or at home, uh, you're somewhere, obviously, that's kind of the two options. Uh, turn to someone next to you and just say those words, Celebrity Jesus. 
So this morning what we're looking at is how does Jesus respond to his celebrity moment? This is a moment of large crowds, success, popularity. This is Jesus' peak popular moment. Just to relook at verse 12 and 13 of, of John chapter 12, it says, The next day, and so the day before was the day we talked about last week, where Mary poured out a, a year's worth of wages in perfume on the feet of Jesus as an act of worship. And, and so then the next day, Jesus is coming to Jerusalem and we're told the next day the great crowd that had come to the festival had heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna! Which means save us now. Which means you are the saviour. Blessed is he who comes into the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, sit on a donkey's colt. And so Jesus is welcomed as the king. He's worshipped in this moment. He's, he's called the saviour. They're crying out for him to save Jerusalem. Uh, they see him as a great liberator coming into the city to rescue them from the oppression that they've lived under for centuries. Estimates vary, and, 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 but some scholars believe that Jerusalem would have been a city of about 50,000 people at this time, but at the Passover, it, it could have even tripled. And, and so there would have been masses of people. When we're saying great crowds, this is not a good attendance at church on a Sunday, unless that church is like Lakeside in uh, Florida. This is a crowd of potentially tens if not hundreds of thousands of people in fervor and frenzy praising Jesus. And the, the, the idea that John is presenting us here and the other Gospels tell this story and, and some of our Bibles call it a triumphal entry. And so a triumphal entry was what lots of uh, ancient cultures, especially Rome, had when, when a leader would enter into the city after winning a great battle or victory. And this was kind of the peak moment, the most glorious moment in any leader's career was their triumphal entry. This is Jesus at peak celebrity. Now he's kind of subverting that a little bit, fulfilling prophecy, but also subverting that idea a little bit by riding on a donkey. Julius Caesar did not ride into Rome on his triumphal entry on a baby donkey. But that kind of, that's kind of lost to the crowds. We're told by John in, in the scripture, even the disciples didn't really get the donkey thing until later on and they looked at the prophecies and go, oh, wow. It wasn't just about whatever he could find. And so this is the most glorious moment that any leader could have. And then as Laurie read for us in verse 20 to 21, we're told that now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. And so Greeks here doesn't necessarily mean nationality is Greek. It means they weren't Jews and they spoke Greek, which was the common language of basically the entire Mediterranean at this point. The Roman Empire's common language was Greek. They, they spoke Latin in the Senate 
that was the kind of the highbrow language, but Greek was the common language. And so this just means people who aren't Jewish. And it says they came to Philip, maybe because he had a Greek name, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. And so now the non-Jews, not only are this great Jewish crowd praising Jesus as king, calling him the saviour, celebrating him, but, but non-Jews, Gentiles, are coming and they want a glimpse of Jesus. Jesus has at this point transcended the bounds of Judaism. He's going global. He's made it big time. He's right where so many of us in the world today would like to be, one way or another, whatever that looks like in our world. He's at that moment where at least at a glance it looks like everyone thinks he's awesome. Right where many of us want to be. And so today, I really want to dig into what does it look like, what does Jesus do, how does he respond to celebrity? Because this year we're talking about abiding in Jesus. That's kind of our core theme, our vision for this year is to learn what it means to abide in Jesus, to follow him, to be like him. And so Jesus' response to celebrity or people liking him or status should shape how we respond to that or how we think about that or whether we pursue that or not. And this is whether it's a crowd of 100,000 people or, or trying to get those two people on the corner down on Kuma Street to think you're great. It's not about the numbers, it's about the hard attitude. And, and, and so, on the surface of things, it looks like everyone loves Jesus at this point. And so if we read a bit further, as Laurie read in verse 17 and onward, as it says, Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. That's what we talked about last week, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. And, and we're told in the preceding chapter and the chapters going forward that, that the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the priests, the Sadducees, uh, groups of religious people that would often be divided about things are united on this thing, that they do not like Jesus. Because he's upsetting their status quo. And so as Jesus' popularity increased, so did the criticism and attack. As those who wanted to make him king, as the number of those who wanted to make him king increased exponentially, so did the desire of the religious establishment to see him dead. And so there's a warning in this for us. So often success and popularity... As that increases, so does cynical criticism. And so you might hit this moment in your life where you think, I am on song. I am kicking goals. And, I, and people are loving it. But one, wait a minute. People are also throwing more stones than they've ever thrown. Now, this is all hypothetical as a, as a pastor, of course. This has never happened to me. <laughs> but uh, perhaps you've experienced that as well. Like, you're in that moment where you think, oh, 
I'm starting to really get into my groove here. I'm doing well. And you're blindsided by the fact that there's people out there who don't agree with what seems to be the unanimous opinion that you're awesome. And it's so hard not to be completely undone by the small group of criticism. So the reality is, you can't keep everyone happy. This is not the main point of Jesus' response here, but I want us to grab this before we move on. You cannot keep everyone happy. Even Jesus had his critics. The point, as we'll see in a moment, is not trying to keep everyone happy, not trying to win the crowds, not trying to generate a crowd, but staying on purpose. If you stay on purpose, you might get a crowd, you might not get a crowd, but if you stay on purpose, and by purpose I mean God's calling for your life, I mean following Jesus, I mean entrusting yourself to Him. If you stay on purpose, that might mean your business, that might mean your career, that God's called you to. If you stay on purpose, you might have people love you, you might have people hate you, but you won't be able to keep everyone happy. And so if that's your focus... That will pull you down from purpose quicker than almost anything else. This is Jesus' peak celebrity moment. This is his moment of popular glory. But for Jesus, his true glory is found on the cross, not in the crowd. For Jesus, his true glory is found on the cross, not in the crowd. And so it's at this moment, it's a little bit funny, isn't it? Because these, if you read through John chapter 12, uh, these Greeks or these non-Jews appear, they want to see Jesus and Jesus doesn't say, yeah, bring them to me or no, send them away. Like Jesus responds in a way that seems to almost ignore them. I don't think that's Jesus' heart to ignore people, but they trigger this moment, this moment of Jesus being a celebrity of Jesus going global triggers Jesus to declare this in verse 23, a bit lower than what uh, Laurie read for us. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And so in this moment where people perhaps were thinking, Jesus' life could not get any more glorious than this, Jesus says, Well, the time has come, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And so in John's Gospel, though, in John's good news account of Jesus, the hour isn't just like, oh, that's, is that the time? This is a, a potent phrase. When Mary came, his mother came to him at the wedding, he said, why are you asking me this now? My hour has not yet come. Earlier we're told that, that people wanted to, to, to kill him, but he slipped away because his hour had not yet come. The hour that Jesus is referring to is his sacrificial death on the cross. The hour that Jesus refers to here is this moment where he fulfills the very reason that he came. And in John's language, the way he describes this, the way Jesus talks about it is recorded in John's Gospel as, as this being the moment of glory. Not when the crowds are singing, Hosanna, you're the king, you're awesome, Jesus. Not when he goes global and, and people outside of the Jewish faith want to come and worship him. That's not his moment of peak glory. His moment of being glorified is when he is crucified 
for you and for me. For Jesus, true glory is found on the cross, not in the crowd. But no one would have thought these things to be glorious. Dying a criminal's death on a cross. And so how can this shameful death be glorious? Well, it's because of what's accomplished. And Jesus tells us in in, uh, metaphor terms, in parabolic terms, why this is a glorious moment. In verse 24... He says, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And so Jesus is saying, his death is that seed falling to the ground to produce many seeds, to produce fruitfulness. He could stay alive. He is the one human being in all of history who did not have to pay the wages of sin, which is death. And so he could have gone on, he could have kept pleasing the crowd, he could have kept everyone happy or almost everyone happy, he could have you know, spread out this kind of great mission, they could have built a bigger building, they could have kind of live streamed across the Mediterranean, even perhaps into the unknown world. But then there would still be just Jesus. And popularity would come and go. But if Jesus gives up his life, if he becomes that seed falling to the ground, it produces a harvest of many seeds. And so that harvest is you and me. That harvest is millions of people throughout history who have put their faith in Jesus, millions who will put their faith in Jesus, who put their trust in Jesus and in his death find our life. That's why this moment is a moment of glory. But it's not a fun moment for Jesus. Sometimes the most glorious things we'll do in our life aren't fun or pretty or easy. In verse 27, skipping a few verses, but we'll come back to them. Jesus says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And so in the midst of the cheers of the crowd, in the midst of his celebrity moment, in the midst of popularity, in the midst of, of, uh, we're told that Jesus was tempted like you and I, in the midst of the temptation to let the popularity go to his head, to, to be swayed by the cheers of the crowd, in the midst of all of that, Jesus takes that moment to declare his purpose. I wonder if he's declaring it to himself as much as he is others. Because he has this moment of, what shall I say, save me from this hour? No, this is why I have come. In the midst of the temptation to go with the crowd, Jesus stays on purpose doing the Father's will. And so Jesus models for us the way we should respond when, when it seems like people are loving on us. You know, when it seems like, you know, maybe you shared that, that post on Facebook or, you know, your likes are going good, your coffee sales are up, you know, you've been promoted to the upper echelons of public service. Um, you sell a million cars this week and there's a write-up in the newspaper about how great your car yard is. I don't know what kicking goals looks like for you 
But Jesus models for us what should be our response in that moment. I didn't come for the crowds. I came for the cross. He died on the cross on our behalf. We're not destined to a cross, hopefully, unless the political situation dramatically changes. You nearly said my favourite word, dramatically. It's kind of a melding together of I don't know how many other words. But we have a calling and we have a purpose and so the moment that we're kicking goals and it seems like everyone loves us, that is the moment that we, like Jesus, need to declare to others perhaps, but mostly to ourselves. That's not what I'm here for. It's easier to talk about social media because that measures it, but it's not just about social media. But we're not here for the clicks, the likes, the shares to go viral in the non-virus sense of the word. We're here to do God's will. And so we might say like Jesus, oh, what do I do? What do I do here? This is going great. What should I say, Father? Not that everyone would love me, not that it would be easy, but that I would be enabled to do your will. To not pursue popularity, but to instead stay on purpose to instead stick with integrity because our reflected glory, glory belongs to God alone, but our reflected glory is in doing the Father's will, not in the praises of the crowd. And so following Jesus looks more like the cross than the crowd as well. Jesus' glory was found on the cross, not in the crowd. And so to follow him looks more like a cross than a crowd. In John 25 and 26, going back to those verses that we skipped over, we're told this by Jesus. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honour the one who serves me. And so Jesus, when he says, hates your life, he's not talking about being depressed. He's not talking about being ungrateful for what you have and like, oh, this, is, this sucks, I hate it. He's talking about what we prefer. He's talking about what we pursue. Do we pursue pleasure in this life? Do we pursue the things that this life, this world has to offer or do we pursue Jesus? Do we pursue popularity and success or do we pursue God's will? Do we pursue likes or do we pursue integrity as a follower of Jesus? And so Jesus calls us to follow him and in this context that means follow him into death. In the other Gospels it's recorded as him saying it like this. Whoever would want to follow me must take up their cross must take up an implement of sacrifice and death and follow me. Jesus calls us to death, not a, not a literal death on the cross for most, though that has been the case. Some people, this has literally been lived out in martyrdom, but many people have lived it out in martyrdom. But what he's talking about here is a death to self and selfishness, 
a death to seeking the immediate pleasures of this world and a, and a coming to life for eternal life. That, that phrase doesn't just mean goes on forever. It, it, it captures what Jesus spoke about in John 10.10 10 when he says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full or overflowing in abundance. Jesus doesn't want us to hate our life in the sense of our life not been pleasurable and, and, and us not liking it. He wants us to turn from it so that we might find the true fullness of life that only he can offer. There's nothing wrong with being popular. There's nothing wrong with being liked. There's nothing wrong with being a celebrity in and of itself. But it does provide us with temptation to compromise. does provide us with temptation to shift our focus from purpose to pleasures that celebrity offers. It does give us temptation to shift from integrity as a follower of Jesus to compromise. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's, it's, it's a challenge. It's, it's a little bit like where Jesus says it's easier for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's a challenge. Wealth poses challenges and temptations. And so does popularity and celebrity, whether it comes with wealth or not, poses temptations. A temptation to love this world. And so Jesus is saying, if we love this world, then this world's what we'll get. If you love this world, you'll just get the things of this world. And that's it. Then you'll lose your life. And you're done. Cut off from God. But if you hate it in a way that prefers God's will than your own, then you will get eternal life. And so when we look at celebrity Jesus we see, I believe, the one human being in all of history who wasn't swayed in some way by the desire to be liked, by the desire for status and success and, and celebrity. Uh, I've called it today Celebrity Jesus because that is the antithesis of what he was about. So may you, church family, may I, by the power of the Holy Spirit, follow the example of Jesus. That we would pursue purpose over popularity. That we will pursue integrity over infidelity to the gospel. That we pursue a cross-shaped glory of following Jesus, of dying to self, rather than the glory that any crowd could offer.
So whether success may come or we never see success, Lord, we pray that you would fill us by the Holy Spirit with the deep humility that Jesus walked in. in his name we trust it's in his name we worship it's in his name we say in the name of Jesus Amen Thanks for joining us today as you head back into your week we want to encourage you to stay in his word stay in his love and stay strong in your faith don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook Instagram or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.